What I'm going to try and do uh, this morning is set out something of the vision that we feel God has given us for the coming year, and uh, then we're going to respond at the end. So uh, we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 54, uh, starting to read at verse 1. Isaiah 54, verses 1 to 3 or 4. Sing, O barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy. You uh, who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. In the week I watched DIY SOS uh, and there was a couple who had conceived triplets and they lived in a very small house in Manchester, about the smallest house you can imagine. And so the DIY SOS team had come in and they had nine days to somehow grow this terraced house. And they literally ended up taking off the roof they took off uh, out the staircase. They completely rebuilt the house uh, in nine days to try and work out how they were going to fit triplets into this very small house. And Isaiah is saying here that the tent is going to get bigger. Now remember, Bedouin culture, where then uh, many nomadic people living in tents. And he's saying, you're going to have so many children that they're not going to fit in your tent anymore. And I don't know if you noticed, uh, but at the start, during the worship, Bertie went into the tent and did up the zip, uh, and then the tent began to move at the front. And, and what Isaiah is saying is, there are going to be so many children in your tent that you're going to have to do two things. You're going to have to lengthen and strengthen. You're going to have to lengthen the cords, you're going to have to make it bigger, and you're going to have to strengthen it because they're going to be climbing all over it and it's going to fall over otherwise. And uh, so we believe that that is something that the Lord is speaking uh, to us about as a church as well. He's saying, get ready, prepare for what is coming. Uh, Yesterday I had a good hike with Danny because we are preparing to do the three peaks together. When Hudson turned 13, uh, we did the three peaks. Danny, uh, now we're preparing to do the three peaks. So we started our training regime. We are preparing. Uh, in fact, the little book we have on how to do the three peaks says this is challenging and uh, particularly so if you've not done any training. Scott has been uh, running uh, in preparation for the London Marathon. He is preparing for uh, that. Many of our young people are preparing for exams. We understand the concept of seeing something coming and preparing for it. And Isaiah is saying, don't be caught napping. See what is going to come and get ready for it. Lengthen and strengthen. And that is what the prophets have been saying to us as a church. Do you remember when Raj came? Raj from India. And we didn't expect this at all, but he just started prophesying. And he said, uh, you, you, you're going to need a bigger place. And he said, you're going to need a place in which you can play. It was an unusual choice of phrase. And then he gave me a £10 note and said, this is my down payment. 
And one day when we've got some enormous building somewhere, I think we should frame Raj's 10 pounds by the door with a little hammer saying, if in emergency, or something like that. Uh, Mike Andrea said to us, prepare, hear the word, prepare for what is coming. Souls, souls, souls. Friends encountering Jesus. Then he said, make nets, plan to lose no one. Plan to lose no one. You're going to lose people if you don't plan and prepare for it. Souls, souls, souls. And these words are coming to pass. I think being here in the Electric Theatre is a partial fulfillment of Raj's word because it's interesting somewhere plays happen and he said you need a place to play but I don't think this is the end result because we're already bursting at the seams in here. And Mike's word is beginning to come to pass with many people coming to know Jesus. Uh, Friends are encountering Jesus. We are, in case you hadn't noticed, growing. And uh, uh, over the last six months, we have doubled in number. And people have become Christians. We have planted two new collectives into the two, probably two of the three neediest areas of Guildford. Because we are not interested in just being some kind of a Christian community that's all about a great event. Because I'm sick and tired of the consumer culture where uh, Christianity is just co-opting that and we just want people to have the nicest possible experience like some Simon Cowell invented version of Christianity. We exist for the poor and for the lost. And uh, do you know what? If we're going to try and get better and better at what we do, there's no point in us sort of, um, you know, doing things badly. If people are going to give their precious time to be together, we want to do, as, do it as well as we can for the glory of God. And that's why we have decent coffee and not horrible coffee. That's why we're in a nice venue and not a nasty one. And we even have an overhead projector that works these days, those of you who remember when that wasn't the case. But let me say this really clearly. Ultimately, if we have the odd bum note, if we have the odd thing not done well, I don't really care because this is family. It is not some professional outfit. And we exist to reach those who are poor and those who don't yet know Jesus. We are not in the business of trying to get people from other churches to come here. Uh, in fact, we quite often say to people, can you go back to your church and bless them? Now, there's some people who are called very specifically here. They don't have a church at the moment or they, they, God has spoken to them very clearly. But most of them we send them back because what we want to do is make a difference amongst the vast majority of people in Guildford and this region and around Europe who do not have a clue about how brilliant Jesus is. That's what we're about, okay? And if you're not into that, I, 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 please, there are other churches you can go to. Uh, we love you dearly and we will send you on your way because that's where we are going. So we planted two new collectives, one onto the Bushy Hill Estate, one onto the Belfields Estate this year. Uh, we're taking more than 100 away to focus this year. Uh, do you know, I found out we've got 28 on our welcome team now, which is amazing because I remember when the church was that size. Uh, so uh, we were welcoming everyone, each other. Um, Chris Melbourne said that I could share his little story, which is an example of why the growth matters. So Chris was working in the warehouse at WH Smith a few years ago, got to know Dave Slynn as a result. As a result of that, got involved with Ready for Action, helping out uh, with some of the poorest families in our community. Um, but sort of 
you know, he, he kind of grew up around church, but he'd completely given up on that. When he went away to university, nothing whatsoever, completely turned his back on, uh, on church. Uh, and then it, um, he, he, he um, volunteers as an usher at this theater. And so he's just the usher allocated uh, on Sunday mornings. And it's really interesting because when we first started meeting here, he'd be at the door. Some of you might have noticed him. By the way, it's a very biblical thing to be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. But he was at the door as people came in. And then there was the... We started to notice that, that sometimes uh, he was not just at the door, but he'd come and sit down with us and he would be part of the meeting. And then I knew something was happening actually when one week he actually came up to Sammy with a giving envelope. Now, this is the usher, <laughs> and he said, I think I'd better start doing this, and gave Sammy some money in a giving envelope. And I thought, that's quite unusual when your usher starts to want to take part in the offering. And uh, do you know what? I don't know. There might have been tens of thousands of pounds in there. Well, I do know there wasn't tens of thousands of pounds in there. But, uh, or, or it might not have been very much. It really doesn't matter because giving and offerings are all about the heart. Jesus once told a story about that. That is why the more you have, the more you have to give because the more you have to prove in terms of your values and your heart. Because as Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond understanding. And the love of money is the root of all evil, not money. We actually think money is a very helpful thing, but the love of money, and we live in a city that worships money so much of the time. You want proof of that, you walk up and down the high street any day of the week and you'll see what people are worshipping. And so we have to be radical in our relationship with money. It's not that we don't have a relationship with money, it's just that we are worshipful with our money. So it doesn't really matter how much money there was in the envelope that Chris gave. It's significant, the heart choice at that moment. And then Chris uh, came on Alpha and and he's absolutely loved Alpha. He's just saying it was so helpful. I said to him, what, what difference has Alpha made for you? And he said, I, I really feel I, I know what I believe now. And then he said, I now, when I read the Bible, I understand it. And I didn't really uh, before. And then at the Kingdom Come prayer and worship night, uh, he was there with his hands aloft, worshipping the Lord. It's a beautiful, simple journey of someone uh, who... who, who, who began with friendship and getting involved practically and ready for action. Uh, he, he should be our poster boy. He's sort of done everything. Come through, and he stumbles in as the usher, and then um, Alpha, and now just right at the heart of the whole community. We are growing. We're also, as a community, making a difference um, it would be weird if we sat around every week talking about uh, making a difference. But once in a while, it's good to sit back and look at something that we've all been pouring our effort and time and money into and go, thank you, Jesus. And we're making uh, a bit of a, a difference. Uh, family outreach, led by Liz, has helped 40 struggling families in the last year. Uh, because, as you know, we went... We talked to social services and said, where's the great need? We don't want to do something everyone else is doing. Where's the great need in our area? And they said the need is the families who are just on the edge of falling into need for really you know, uh, significant help. And could you just start to help some of those be a safety net? So I'd like us to have done it for 400 families this year. We've done it for 40. And uh, we, we've, we've given food and we've helped with their uh, kids. And some of them have come along here on Sundays. That's not the agenda, but of course it's part of how we want to bless people. I think it's about 30 people have been through CAP, 
with Mike Stambrook, Dave Markley uh, this year. Mike's got the prisons uh, work really going. Mike is just the most amazing fellow. Uh, and there he is in HMP Scent. Um, do you know one lovely story? Again, we sort of got permission to share this. But just a little thing about the difference that we're making. And this is absolutely through what Mike, and I know some of you go into send with, uh, with, with Mike. But uh, one woman in, in the prison there, who she, when she had to fill in what her sort of religious affiliation was when she went to prison, she put herself down, herself down as a pagan. Uh, but she's admitted to Mike it's not really working out for her. Yes. And... Um, I mean, hugging a tree is nice at first, isn't it? But after a while, you quite like it to talk back. So um, um, some of you think you've got a problem with Jehovah Jireh. You know, why doesn't he answer my prayers? Try talking to a tree, and you realize God's a pretty good deal, really. Anyway, and uh, so she registers a pagan, and uh, um, she, she, she's, a, she's a very um, hurting person. And when Mike was talking to her Tuesday before last... She said to Mike, do you know what I've decided to give up for Lent? Uh, and she said, I've decided to give up self-harm for Lent. I'm going to try to last 40 days without cutting myself. And you may think, well, that's a little bit peculiar, but her arms and legs are covered in scars from all the uh, cuts she's inflicted on herself. And... Uh, the best she's managed to go for many years before it was 20 days without cutting herself. And she is going to try and go 40. Do you know what? I'm long past trying to pinpoint a particular day on which people become Christians. I just think there's this journey towards Jesus that takes place. And there are seminal moments. There are sometimes very dramatic moments. There has to be some moment of repentance and acceptance but there are incremental steps before and after. And uh, when a woman in a prison decides she's going to stop cutting herself for 40 days as part of Lent, you know she's taking significant steps, not, towards, not just towards wholeness, but towards Jesus. We're trying, aren't we, to make a difference because there's so much brokenness, there's so much need, there's so much lostness all around us. And Isaiah predicts in this story that what's coming is lots of children. And we're certainly seeing lots of children. Did you see them all coming down into the tent? I don't know where they all came from. Uh, the, I, re, I remember when we used to say it's time for the kids to go out. And basically about three kids would go out. Now when I say it's time for the kids to go out, it's like, it's like the people of Israel crossing the Red Sea. There's just this long... Some of you have been breeding or something's been happening. Um, but um, we are discipling young people. Um, we are seeing hundreds of young people every single uh, week in local schools. Uh, do you know, some of the girls in one of the local schools just said to Matt and Mike, because um, they, they, they've got to know them through, through, through our schools work program, they said to Matt and Mike, that could you help us start an alpha course? And then they said, it's because they, these girls have just done an alpha course. They've come to know Jesus through it. They've been absolutely blown away by the fact he's real and alive and loves them and can forgive them. And they said, we'd love to run one in our school for our uh, friends. Would you help us? It's wonderful. 
last month, so in February, we helped run prayer spaces in schools at uh, one of the local schools and had 500 young people come through a prayer room in their classroom. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and, and actually talk to God. Uh, many of them probably for the first time in a meaningful way in their school day. And Matt and Mike, who are just the most amazing people, they're so good at what they do. They are running clubs and activities pretty much every day of the week for every single age group you can imagine. And uh, Matt wrote this for me. He said, the young people are getting into their Bibles. They are praying for each other. Two girls who are new to church have been in the prayer room praying for their friends and prophesying over each other. And as well as what's happening with the creche and the children and the primary school and the secondary school uh, young people, uh, with students, it's just we just love the students. We are so thrilled. And you're part of something God is doing. You are an answer to prayer. Do you know, we had um, about two students uh, nine, no, eight months ago because trouble students, they keep growing up and graduating. We try to stop them, uh, but they just keep graduating. And uh, so we prayed and prayed and prayed because when one in five people in Guildford is a student, that's a mission field right there, and many of them from other countries. And uh, now there's over 30 students caught up with Emmaus just since October. And so it's amazing to see uh, the growth. And uh, some of you may be going, yeah, great, so yeah, you've got a bit of a youth program, you do some schools work. But I want to show you a picture that helps contextualize what's going on, because I remember when our youth work looked like this. This, this, <laughs> this, was, this was the youth work. Uh, tea towels on heads. They're actually, it's Evan and Mimi Bauer. There's Felix uh, there. Some of you remember him. There's Hudson and Danny and uh, me looking very convincing as a shepherd. And that, that was it. That was our youth. And, and then um, that's Javier, who's, who's a, a Spanish guy who, who was staying with us at the time. So he got roped in as well. <laughs> so it's amazing what is uh, happening. God is blessing us as we grow, as we seek to make a difference, as we seek to disciple young people. But I think God is also blessing us with I hope he's blessing us with spiritual growth as well as uh, numerical uh, growth as a community. And there was an amazing sort of sign of this, I think, just three weeks ago when Julia uh, was speaking. And um, one of our teenagers, uh, who very, for very understandable reasons doesn't want to be named, certainly not one of my kids, anyway, uh, uh, sitting at the back there, during the worship, said he could see angels in the, the venue, just alongside certain people. And I said, you know, do, do you see them with your physical eyes? He says, no, but it was like this sense, but I can't explain it. It was like I was seeing them. And, um, of course, that's not weird. That's as old as the Bible, that there is more to this life than just what you can see physically. There is a spiritual realm and some people are better and at certain times we're all better at seeing what's going on spiritually. And he said, I could see angels. And the amazing thing was that at the end of the meeting when people came down to the front to respond to receive prayer, he said, the people who came to the front were pretty much the ones that all had angels standing next to them during the worship. Isn't that extraordinary? And there are certain moments we get insights to what God is doing spiritually uh, amongst us as a community as we grow in prayer 
and worship. The students had a, is it a weekend away or a couple of days, a night away or something down at Waverley? And Mike said at, at, at the end of one of the talks, he just sort of um, said, um, you know, closed his eyes and asked the Holy Spirit to come, thought nothing was happening. He opened his eyes and everyone was just flat out on the floor, knocked over by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but it was an amazing time. There was a, that weekend, there was also just, I, I get so moved to see what God is doing in our midst when people come forward for prayer at the end of talks. Actually, last week I just sat on that fold back monitor there. I, I just find it so moving. Sometimes you know the stories, you know what's going on in people's lives. They come and say, yeah, I want to get some prayer. And, and we're normal people. We're all dealing with the same stuff as everyone else. We're all struggling in, in, in with health issues, financial issues, in marriages, in our jobs or lack of jobs, our sex lives or lack of sex lives or whatever it is. Uh, and, and the difference is we have Jesus on the Emmaus Road with us in the middle of it. So I find it so moving as people come forward to receive uh, prayer and um, on that particular weekend when the students had been away and we'd been ministering to people Sunday morning and then they had kingdom come I wasn't there but they had kingdom come that night and they just prayed and worshipped they said Allen House was just full of people amazing sense of God's presence I think I think we're growing spiritually as well as uh, numerically and it's amazing how God has heard our prayers because this time last year we felt God was speaking to us about worship and really growing in worship. And back then we were meeting in the Stoke pub and we obviously we moved in here and we began to teach on worship. But one of our problems was we had almost no musicians. Poor Georgina was having to do it every single week. I was on the verge of trying to learn an instrument. I mean, you know, we were really struggling. And, um, and, so, and so what do you do? Well, you pray. I mean, God, what do you, it's just kind of like life, isn't it? God says, I'm calling you to worship. And you go, uh, Lord, <laughs> well, you might like to. Every church in the country has got about 25 people who want to be Tim Hughes, except ours, you know. And, um, but isn't that like life? God, God says, you better extend your tent. And you go, but I'm barren. You know, or, or, or I'm going to bless you, and you say, but I can't afford the bills, or whatever it is. And so we began to pray, and then the Mankles arrived, and, and, and then uh, Pete Burton decided to stick around at the end of his um, degree, and, and, and then John Radmole rocked up, and it was like God, God's just sent, have you noticed there's almost new music, musicians every single week? It's not just I don't recognize some of the musicians sometimes, I don't recognize what instruments they're playing some weeks. And some people, I get, I realize, okay, that's Susie Shaw, but every week it's a different instrument. How many instruments? She's showing off. She's going to turn up just with like a metal tray and bang it one of these weeks. I'm impressed. It's like Mumford and Sons. They don't play real instruments. They just grow beards. And, uh, and so we've got all these musicians suddenly, and you, you have no idea how quickly that has happened and I mean I've told it before I do not apologize for telling it again when God does something we've got to keep telling the stories when you read a good story in the Bible it doesn't disappear you can keep reading it you can keep finding faith and revelation in it and so the story of how God sent John Radmole to be with us uh, is, is just such an indication of how God hears our prayers because uh, there we were saying God please send us worship leaders and John is out on a run listening to one of these podcasts 
and uh, he, he and he God says to him, I'm sending you to Emmaus in Guildford. He'd never been to Guildford, didn't never didn't really know much about us. So he gets on a train to come to Guildford, and uh, he says. Uh, as he's getting off the train at the main Guildford station there, he goes, God, um, show me if this is right. And as he's coming out of the main entrance to the station there, suddenly James, wherever he is, uh, calls out. James has just rocked up to um, uh, meet a friend at the station. James spots John and calls out and says, John Rabble, what are you doing here? And John freaks out because he didn't think he knew anyone in Guildford. And actually, James and John have been at Exeter University together. And then John says to James, well, I'm here to try and find a church called Emmaus. James's jaw hits the floor and he goes, that's nuts because my next door neighbors are Dave and Liz Slynn, who are part, who, you know, part of this church called Emmaus. And they were literally just telling me about their church and where it meets. And I had to leave the conversation to come and meet someone here at the station. So I happen to know exactly what the church is, exactly where they meet. Do you want me to drive you there? So then he gets driven to the pub where we were meeting at the time by a guy who at the time wasn't even going to church. And now, uh, James, very nice to have you right at the heart of the whole uh, thing. And uh, so isn't that, isn't that an amazing story? And, and here's the deal. So now John was leading our worship this morning. And maybe if you're new here, you're going, great, this is a lovely, good-looking fellow leading worship. What you don't understand is the story of how we're saying, God, help us provide. And God set things up and brought John. And now he's part of us. And so what do we now need to pray for? What is God now speaking to us uh, about? And as we think about how we're growing spiritually, it's uh, not just worship, but prayer. And I loved Harriet's um, uh, sort of vision, dream that she had after her first visit to the 24-7 prayer room last month. And she writes so beautifully on her blog um, entitled, Goodness Gracious Great Balls of Fire. She said, I just stood there in the prayer room and I looked around in amazement at how this room had been transformed by people's prayers and stories and praise. And my eyes welled up. I wasn't sad. I was just moved. Saying that Jesus was there is an understatement. Jesus was owning that place. I spent the first half hour or so looking around, repraying other people's prayers, reading words of thankful praise alongside cries for help, listening to worship, taking in the presence of the Spirit. And it wasn't long until I was fully absorbed in the whole experience. And when eventually I left, I left feeling refreshed. But it wasn't until I had gone to bed that night that God really spoke to me. It's often the way that as we seek God, we unlock a process of divine pursuit. And so that night in bed, she receives a dream. And in the dream, she sees a mirror passing right through Guilford and ending at Allen House, our little venue there. And, and so at Allen House, you're able to see the other side of the mirror and what God was doing on the other side of this apparently symmetrical uh, city. And she said, I feel like through this dream, God is telling us to stop living like there's something dividing us from heaven truly touching earth. There's only that thin illusion that's stopping heaven come down. How awesome is that? Cheers, God. <laughs> and it's because there is that other side to the mirror that uh, 
24-7 prayer rooms really do change lives. And we are right at the heart of what's happening with 24-7 prayer all around uh, the world. Uh, it's been the most incredible year. You should grab Ian Nicholson sometime, or Adam Heather, or Hannah McVeigh, or others, and just ask for stories. Uh, Ian has, I think, one of the funnest jobs in the world. Uh, he's just got back from Lebanon, working with the 24-7 community there. But he was in Malta, and um, uh, um, he said, oh, we're going to do a prayer space in schools conference for, um, for, for, for people in Malta. And... Um, he said it's been led by two Catholic priests, one who's responsible for all the Christian schools, Catholic schools in Malta, and the other who's responsible for all the non-Catholic schools. So I said, that's basically all the schools, isn't it? He said, yeah. And uh, so they got all these head teachers and teachers through and trained them up how to turn classrooms into prayer rooms. And then Ian said they visited the, the, the house of prayer that's there in Malta at the moment. And... I think I mentioned it the other week, it's between a, a, a Scientologist's setup where people like to climb on the roof and moon bathe to get the energy during the full moon. Uh, good luck with that. And, um, and, and, and on the other side, uh, um, it, it's not just a Masonic lodge, but Malta is like HQ. Uh, if you're a Mason, and a warm welcome to you today. Uh, uh, because, because of course of the the, the knights, uh, you know, of the Maltese cross and, and 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 knights, sorry, the knights templar and all of that different thing, uh, and so they said in the prayer in the prayer house you can hear these weird chants and these weird initiation rites going on in uh, the Masonic temple on the other side, and it's it's quite nice sometimes to realise as Christians we're the normal ones, isn't it? In the mix, we just believe in Jesus, you know, uh, along with two billion others. We're not actually that mad, uh, after all. The things that are going on are extraordinary, and um, Adam Heather pulls together these little daily devotionals during Lent, and we were amazed when take a look at the next slide. There you go. Uh, our, our series, the Anagnorosis series for Lent, went to number one on the iTunes video cast charts ahead of Ricky Gervais. I'm sorry, it's really ungodly, but yes. So, uh, in fairness to Ricky Gervais, he's up there all the time. We're only there from time to time. But even so, it's amazing how we are able to... Uh, reach out to people and equip and help them in their faith. On Friday, I had a meeting with the Dean of Guildford Cathedral, who's terrific and very familiar with 24-7 from uh, her parish work in Southwark. And, um, you know, now she's the Dean of, of the Cathedral. They're, you know, going to be appointing uh, the, the new bishop uh, later this year. And um, she's got a meeting next week with Scott Bauer and Brian Heasley uh, to talk about how we're going to help them do 24-7 prayer at the cathedral at the time when they're appointing the bishop. And I'm standing there going, this is a long way from Bojangles nightclub, the semi, no, not semi, totally derelict, purple building in the center of town that was Bojangles nightclub, where we launched the 24-7 prayer movement. And now we've got Guildford Cathedral saying, come and help us run prayer to welcome the new bishop, the choice of the new bishop. It's amazing, isn't it? What God is doing, and we're right at the heart of all of that. And so Isaiah says, uh, extend your tent. Mike Andrea says, prepare your nets. Fuel the fire. 
Our vision is the total transformation of this region with the good news of uh, Jesus Christ through lifestyles of prayer, mission, and justice. We're thrilled as we look in the rearview mirror at all the cool stuff God's done, whether it's in Malta, or whether it's in schools, or whether it's with the students, or whether it's with worship. We are grateful to God. We are thankful as we look back on the last year but it's not enough we're not just going for this we're going for transformation we want to see more every time we see someone encounter Jesus and their life begin to get put back together we say God if you can do it there could you do it here wouldn't it be amazing to see not just individuals but whole families and networks turned around on the Belfields estate and the Bushy Hill estate in Sen prison what about Park Barn how do we change lives? How do we change the culture? How, what would happen if the Spirit of the Lord started to move in schools? What would happen if the Spirit of the Lord began to move on the university campuses and in the drama college and in the ACM? What might happen if these things began to happen? And here's the deal, it's happened in the past. It can happen again. Jesus is the same. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. Our prayers still work. God is with us. The best thing isn't that, you know, we've got a nice building or that we've got a strategy. The best thing is God's with us. God's blessing us. God's in our midst. God's answering our prayers. And he says, nothing is impossible for you to do with me. He says, he that is in you is greater than he that's in the world. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's not weird when churches grow. It's normal. It's weird when they don't grow because Jesus is good news right? I'm not in this for survival. I'm not interested in the survival of the Christian faith. I'm in this for revival because we're currently substandard. People made by God don't know God. That's weird. People are afflicted by sin and all sorts of bad choices they've made when they can be set free and we know the good news. And so we've got a vision. Hit the person next to you and just say, yes, it's mildly interesting. Go. Thank you. Good. The thing I think I find myself asking more and more as we look around at all that God has done is, um, if God can do this, what might happen next? It's just fabulous to see what's happening with our young people. Uh, it's amazing to see the impact. But then when I look at all the young people on the estates, I hear some of the stories that Mike is dealing with, for example, at one of the local schools, that massive dysfunctionality and brokenness. Uh, some of the people that Dan Jones is working with. I just think, oh God, please, if you can do this, what might happen next? It's been amazing baptizing some of you this year, as you've really come to know Jesus. But then I think about Mike Andrea's word about souls, 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 plan to lose no one. I think of Jesus saying the fields are ripe under harvest and I think it's been great to baptize a few, but what might happen next? And I think about the student ministry and how it really has exploded this year. But then when I look at the caliber of the students that God's bringing, there's such gifted people. And when I remember the stories of what God's done on university campuses in the past, I do think what might happen next. And when I look at the way that we're praying and the answers to prayer that we're seeing, 
And then I remember that Jesus said, ask anything in my name and it will be done for you. And God says to Solomon, if you'll humble, my, humble yourself and seek my face and pray, then I will hear your prayers and I'll forgive your sins and I'll heal the land. And I think what might happen next, since throughout history, every major movement of the Spirit of God began when God's people began praying. And right now we really are beginning praying. What might happen next? And Isaiah uses the metaphor of pregnancy here, doesn't he? Sing, O barren woman. You who never bore a child burst into song. Shout for joy. Shout for joy. Why is this woman going to shout for joy when she's barren? She's going to shout for joy because there is an anticipation that God has given her of what's going to happen next. This is not shouting for joy because you're holding the baby. This is shouting for joy because something has been conceived and you are anticipating its birth. It's getting excited before the event. It's what might happen next. That's what gets us excited. The world says to us again and again, I'll believe it when I see it. But what God says to us is, you will see it when you believe it. How are you going to start believing for things that you don't currently see? Well, one of the ways you start to prepare for them. It's not, by the way, a completely irrational process. It's not wishful thinking. It's based on the Word of God. It's based on circumstance. And that's why I've tried to outline for you that I believe the Word of God is saying extend lengthen, strengthen, prepare. The prophetic voices in our midst are saying to us, get ready, souls, 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 you need a place to pray. And our circumstances give us every indication that God is with us and that we have every reason to expect that something remarkable could be about to happen. And so this isn't kissing our brains goodbye, but we're not yet in what God has for us. There is a sense of conception and pregnancy, but so much more to come. And God says, shout for joy now. Sing now. Get ready now. Prepare now because of what I am about to do. He says, don't hold back. So many things can make us hold back. And by the way, this is not just a word for us as a church. It's a word for each of you as individuals. Because a season of corporate blessing is also a season of individual blessing. So when God is near you can grab hold of him. Think of Bartimaeus. Jesus is passing through Jericho, and he's there, a blind beggar, and Jesus is really going to miss him. He's just being swept along by the crowds, and Bartimaeus shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's not going to miss the moment because Jesus is close. Think of Obadidim, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, little known, but there's that lovely story, isn't there, of David's trying to carry the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem, then Uzzah touches the Ark and gets struck dead, awkward, and so David freaks out and thinks, not sure I want this in my living room after all, and uh, this is the kids, you know, trying to keep them off it, and, um, and so then he says to Obadidim, would you mind just keeping it in your farm outside the city for a while, and Obadidim goes, yep, yeah, that's fine. And then Obadidim has the ark, and guess what happens? It says he began to get blessed and blessed. His business was blessed. His family was blessed. And the next time Obadidim pops up, he's a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord because when you start to sense the presence of God, you kind of get addicted to it. You want to be around God's presence. And so when God is present and when God is moving, we as individuals can grab hold of it for our own circumstances. 
And so I don't know what that might look like for you individually right now. Perhaps you're needing breakthrough in a particular area. Well, this is a time to pray with renewed faith. Perhaps uh, there are disappointments and, complac- and complacency and fear that is making you think, yeah, well, I'll just let it all flow past. Don't. This is a time, Isaiah says, don't hold back. Lay hold of what God is doing. And so, so as, I, as I draw this together, I just want to say there's some very practical ways in which we think we can you know, outwork the metaphor of extending the tent. Some very practical things we can do to prepare so that we can plan for souls, souls, souls. Uh, and uh, some of them are outlined in the um, report that you were given on your way in. Uh, one of them is clearly in the coming year we're going to have to think about buildings and venues because uh, we're bursting at the seams. Not just here on a Sunday, uh, but that is uh, clearly an issue. But midweek, um, if you go to Allen House, um, well, we just the welcome party, it was rammed. The, the uh, men's breakfast, it was rammed. Uh, the Kingdom Come night, it was rammed. So we're bursting at uh, the seams, and we're going to have to think about venue. We're going to have to, and as you know, whatever the option, there's about three possible options, uh, it's not cheap. And so we're going to have to think about that. And of course, when people become Christians, they don't immediately start giving. I almost don't really want It's nice when they do, but that's not the most important thing. And so those of us who are at the heart of this vision, we have to give now to help transition the growth and the blessing that the Lord is bringing. It's, a, it's not just about venue. We want to extend our mission in this year because I've said I, we're not satisfied. We're wanting to see more. We want to start running Alpha every single term, three terms a year. One of the reasons for that is that that will build momentum uh, because, you know, as people come off Alpha, they then might invite a friend onto the next one or become a helper uh, on that. We want all sorts of things in terms of mission. One of the crazy ideas we've had is we'd like to throw a pantomime in this venue uh, in the autumn and get um, young people from local schools and our own young people, who are also in local schools, uh, to um, audition for it and then invite all of their friends. And we host it as a church and we could pack this uh, building. And Mike Crown, who's actually trained in theatre studies, you'll be surprised to hear, uh, uh, ran one of these for Soul Survivor Watford and it was a triumph. So he said, can we do one here? There are all sorts of really exciting things we would love to do missionally. We want to plant new collectives. Um, uh, we need to think about media in the coming year. Do you know, if every person who hears this talk live, at least 10 people hear it online. It's part of our ministry to give away what God is doing here to uh, others. And um, we live in a Google first generation. So uh, I lost count of the number of people who said, well, when I heard about you, I Googled you. And then what they do is they stalk us for a bit. They listen to us online, hello and welcome. And then eventually they think, I'm going to attend. That's how it works these days. And that means that it, we've, we've, we've thought a lot about Sundays and how we make this the most welcoming environment it can possibly be. We've now got to think about our other front door, our other shop window, which is online. And so we've got a serviceable website right now, but we want to make it a brilliant uh, one that can be uh, truly welcoming to people who maybe don't know Jesus and would like to check us out. Another part of the vision for the coming year is is hospitality. 
because you know we love having the vision course as part uh, of what we're doing here. It's absolutely brilliant having the vision course students from all around the world getting discipled and trained up and then sent out. We had Daniel and Liddy, didn't we? Just went off to Ibiza, for example, and John Ravmore came in through that. All sorts of others, uh, Matt Horswell, and and. Um, but, but the thing is this, that we're at capacity of how many students we can take uh, because of accommodation, because spare rooms are kind of maxed out. Many of you are just giving your spare rooms uh, almost continually to visitors and others coming through. And so the logical thing to do would be to rent a three or four bedroom house somewhere, and then we can put the vision course students in there. That will actually pay for itself. But then when they are not here, because it's, it's a five-month course, you know, runs twice a year. We would then have that, if we can cover the rent, we would then have that as something we can use for hospitality because we get a continual stream of people coming from all over the world wanting to visit. And so we want to, it's part of our, it's one of our values, hospitality. We're going to respond now. But there was, um, there was a particular night I think it was late January that summed up the vision for me. And it was this. Um, I was with the Alpha guests, and we were sitting there in Allen House, which in a previous um, gift Sunday, uh, people gave money and enabled us to renovate. And so we were sitting in this nice environment, and there are people at different stages in their journey of faith discussing the faith. And I love that, because we're all about those who don't normally talk about Jesus, learning about how brilliant he is. And as that was happening, um, I had to pop out to the loo, and in the prayer room, which is right by the loo, uh, helpfully, um, there was Clive and Heather and various others uh, interceding, praying uh, for the Alpha guests. And so you've got the prayer, and you've got the mission, and then as all that's going on, suddenly there's some yelling outside and a guy came in with his face covered in blood, uh, a sort of homeless guy who'd got into a fight and Scott and Michael were there helping him, you know, wash off his face. And um, then when I left afterwards, Michael was out there sharing rollies with him and, and I just thought this is brilliant, prayer, mission and justice, all happening at this moment in this space. This is what we're all about.